Ah, uh, yes. A love story, old as time. The story of a little girl who starts fires and her elderly would-be assassin. If you get on her bad side, you're toast. This week on King Me, we're talking about Firestarter. King me. That's right. Welcome to it. I'm Dan Gagliardi. I'm Rob Avon. Ah, and we've moved into the year of our Orwell 1984, dog. Oh, yes. Ah, do you feel it? I feel uh, it. Break out the gray jumpsuits. That's all I got. I <laughs> ran out of steam. No, that's it. Yeah. The, the whole, <laughs> that's, the whole yeah. book, right? <laughs> There's no follow-up. You just wear a gray jumpsuit, yeah. and that's your life. That's what that pamphlet is about, right? <laughs> Uh, so I, uh, I, I'm in rare, for, well, not rare form. I'm in extremely common form. What happened? I ate six slices of pizza before we yes. started recording. How are you? I am sluggish with low mein. Ah, sorry, man. Nah. Who do you think ate more actual bread matter between us? I don't know. I only because I, I ordered a quart of low mein mm-hmm. and I ate a good portion, but I didn't finish it. You had six slices. I'm going to say you. By a landslide? <laughs> but um, it, it's it's more of a jealousy thing. <laughs> I wish I Don't had, be. I had those six slices. Yes, they were gourmet slices. And yes, oh, each one was different from the last. Shut up. What would you say if I told you I had a spicy sausage and caramelized onion pizza slice? What? That is what you'd say. We know this now. So we're talking about Firestarter, uh, directed by Mark L. Lester, starring Drew Barrymore, David Keith, Freddie Jones, and for like one sparkling moment, Heather Locklear. So weird. So, so weird. Also, um, Martin Sheen for the second time in this show. Yeah. Um, and then through one degree of separation, we have George C. Scott. Yeah. And then through a presumably infinite number of degrees of separation, Art Carney. <laughs> That's so weird. All right. I, uh, okay. Let's, we should, uh, we're getting, this, this uh, is a lot. This yeah. A if lot. you haven't this seen this movie, you're wondering, uh, how George C. Scott, yeah. Art Carney, and Drew Barrymore ended up in the same yeah. picture. Th- this murderer's row <laughs> of this, this who's who of disparate times in Hollywood. So, Jesus uh, Christ. Most people, I would imagine, are probably at least familiar with the title and maybe the concept because there was that reboot thing. Was it a TV show or a movie? Firestarter? Yeah. Um, Do you remember that? Are we? Are you talking about the Firestarter Two, the rekindling? <laughs> is that really what it was called? It sure is. And oh, we'll be Jesus watching Christ. it later on. So stoked on that! <laughs> so okay, uh, if you don't know the concept, it, uh, well, yeah. Uh, okay, before this, had you seen the movie? No. Okay, I had also had not seen this movie ever. This might be the first time. Yeah, this that is, neither of us had seen it. Both of us coming in totally fresh here. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew about it. Little Drew Barrymore starts fires with her mind. LDB. That's it. She did start oh quite a few fires with her mind. Yeah. And I think right off the bat, the idea of a little girl who can start fires with her mind, there's uh there's some parallels we're gonna be drawing. Yeah. There is a lot I wanna talk about those two movies if you are just listening for the first time <laughs> and also have no concept of anything in the world. Yep. The other movie I'm referring to, of course, is uh The Shining. Right. Nope. King me. No, that's this show. <laughs> Carrie. No, King me. King me. Yeah. We uh we start fires with our minds. Yep. In your minds. That's what that's the point of the podcast, right? Yeah. NPR. We start <laughs> fires in your minds. Um yeah, we I want to talk about this movie a lot in comparison to Carrie. Yeah. Oh man. There's a lot of uh uh things that tie this to other Stephen King movies. There's Martin Sheen who was in the dead zone? He was the big baddie in the dead zone, right? He's a lesser baddie. You think he's the baddie? Yeah. In this one, that first off, can we get? I don't know. I don't know if we want to jump right into everybody's hair. I mean, but we but do want to hook people so they keep <laughs> listening. Um, this is there's a strong um, pedophilia storyline in this movie. There, it, it's. 
starring George C. Scott as the pedophile. Right. All right. So the role he was born to play. <laughs> we have a very young Drew Barrymore, hot off of <laughs> end of sentence. <laughs> hot. Oh. This is the off. strong pedophilia storyline I was talking about. Off it's, of it's Rob. <laughs> E.T. Um, is this her first movie after E.T.? It is. Um, Did she have fun? Do you think? Uh, more fun than this one? Than I was trying to maybe? figure out if she'd started uh, boozing and doing drugs at this point. Oh, yeah. She's a little, little girl in this. Let's make no mistake. <laughs> yeah, I think she's maybe seven, yeah. eight. She doesn't, in this movie, have the lisp that she now does. Yeah, she developed that in her adult years. I, it's, I get the feeling it's... Or, you remember when Madonna oh, went yeah, to she, England and came back with a British accent? Mm-hmm. Do you think Drew Barrymore went to, like... I don't know. A candy apple convention. (laughs) (laughs) She was just hanging out in a lot of like ball pits. (laughs) (laughs) Or like a place with a bunch of um, very waifish vampires. Yeah. I don't think I'm using waifish right. I'll go Wispy. Wispy? What's what's the word? Fae. Oh. uh, I think Fae. I got, I just said, I just said it almost backwards. This is a goddamn disaster. (laughs) Let's rein it in. All right. All right. Um. So, okay, we want to talk about the cast a little bit? Yeah, let's right. talk about the cast. So, young Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. was just in E.T. like two years before. Yes. So, everybody knows who she is. She's got like, uh, for an eight-year-old, she has a little pull. She, I, I feel she's, like she's right up there with like George C. Scott as far as like... <laughs> box office draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Um, also, her father, played by David Keith, mm-hmm. not... Keith David. No. Let, <laughs> Let us be also, very clear. not Kurt Russell, which I feel like is a distinction you have to make just looking at David Keith. Yeah. Oh, man. He's like a ginger Kurt Russell. Yeah. And he, inferior in every way. Yeah. He's he's not even a Kmart Kurt Russell. No. He, he's like a Caldor's Kurt Russell. Oh, out geez. of business yeah. in 89. <laughs> you got another six years and you're out, buddy. That... <laughs> that is like the strongest zinger I've maybe ever heard. Yeah, well... It's it comes from the heart. That was that was the the target of zingers. <laughs> um, Heather Locklear, yeah, for a little bit, for for you know, blinking and you miss her kind of a thing. But she's in there. Oh, you can't miss her. Yeah. Oh, what an angel, bro. Heather Locklear. Her eyes are like, in my opinion, her eyes are like two copper pools, et cetera, et cetera. That's a line from the movie. <laughs> it's not even worth the effort. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we talked about Adrian Barbeau a few episodes ago. I thought to myself that this version of Heather Locklear is the primetime Barbeau of Locklears. Ah, I love it. Yes. Okay, Adrian Barbeau was in the first Swamp Thing movie, the Wes Craven movie. Mm-hmm. The sequel starred Heather Locklear. Oh, my God. In the same part. This movie is like <laughs> the nexus of Hollywood. Oh. Everything converges around Firestarter. It's very strange. It's yeah. uh, an added layer of strange. Also, one degree separated from another Stephen King movie. I forgot. Well, two, I guess. Louise Fletcher. I don't know how you measure movie degrees. Oh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Shining. Also, George C. Scott in ah! Strange Love, directed by Stanley Kubrick. I missed that one. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> But yeah, okay. what a great cast this movie has! <laughs> it's an it's an insanely stacked cast, and, and, and an I would insanely say stacked Locklear. Oh. <laughs> um, I would say that for the quality of this cast, this movie underperforms a little. Probably because <laughs> oh. Inex- oh yes, it does. <laughs> How do you get all of these people and then David Keith as like the main, your guy? main guy? He's a bad actor. There, I said it. Yeah, David, if you're listening. Can I call you Keith? Keith, if you're listening. Keith David, please. Keith David. <laughs> if you're listening and you know Keith David through some, like, is he just a mirror image of yourself? <laughs> just tell him to come on the show. Well, no. Tell him to go off the show because he's a mirror. Right. So then he'll come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I get it. I understand mm-hmm. the rules of the universe. <laughs> I understand opposite day. Um and, okay, George C. Scott with a goddamn ponytail. And, like, a 
a cloudy eye. Yeah, and a real bad attitude, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Very, uh, very negative yeah. fella. Now, when before he even spoke, before, like when we were just introduced to George C. Scott in this role, mm-hmm. did you think for a second he was playing Native American? Yes. Okay. And then I was like, that's just his face plus a ponytail. Right? <laughs> I did. I was like, oh, man, I bet this it was like super racist in the book and they toned it down a lot in the movie. That's the same vibe that I got. But his what was his character's name? Let's see. It was John, John Rainbird. He was totally fucking Native American in that book. 100%. I know we're not supposed to talk about the book, but in, in the spirit of racial healing and harmony... Yeah. Uh, this is a racist character, I'm pretty sure. It, it has to be, right? He's like a tracker of people. He's a tracker of people, and one of the things, at towards the end, he, he the, like, for a good part of the movie, he's just like, when you're done with the girl, I want the girl. Yeah. Give me the, give me the leftovers. He's, <sighs> he's, it's super fucking creepy, and I don't know if it... If it's just the times now where it's especially creepy, and maybe it wasn't so much then, but it was... It's... It, it made must my, have been. It made my skin crawl when he was talking about her. Yeah. And then he was like, and then he then he finally gave up the goods. He told him uh, told Martin Sheen his plan, which was he's going to karate chop her across the face, <laughs> like he does to someone else. Yeah, and uh, kill her, and then take her power so he could use it in the next world, which <laughs> which is some Native American bullshit. The more I'm thinking about it, the more like yeah. Uh yeah, this is obviously some it, racist bullshit. It is some racist bullshit. Now that we're saying it out loud, <laughs> at the time I was like, oh yeah, next world. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's transfer of power. It's standard transfer of power. Yeah, you karate chop the nose and you get the power. Yeah, I, uh, John Rainbird. I didn't know. I didn't realize his last name was Rainbird until either. this moment. And uh, everything clicks into place now. Yeah, I'm really hurting <laughs> now that I know that. Yeah, I like this movie. Significantly less. Let's well, see. I like it more <laughs> for the racism. Oh, oh, Rob. <laughs> no, we're different. <laughs> so, um, movie starts with uh, Keith David. <laughs> oh man, and uh, little little Barrymore on the run. I don't know if anyone puts more mis- misinformation out into the world than us. Than a, per word. <laughs> <laughs> We're it's so, so dense, <laughs> so densely packed with misinformation. <laughs> we are, yeah. we are the anti Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I don't know. Never mind. Are you gonna do wordplay? I was. Uh, I was. Yeah, right. I fucking. Hey, there's away. a there's a way of dismissing oneself where you can tell it was gonna be a wordplay yep. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I felt it. I've been there. Yeah, I think that's how I know. So yeah, movie starts with uh, David Keith, <laughs> Drew Barrymore on the run. I'm just gonna say Keith David. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All it, right. It, it it feels better. It rolls off the tongue yeah, nicer. Keith David's a real guy. Yeah. Yeah. This is David Keith. Who the fuck is that? He's some schmo. <laughs> yeah. Um. He's some fucking Kurt Russell wannabe. Pathetic. Yeah. Um. So they're, they're on the run. They're on the run. On like that's that's how we meet. You them. get dropped in. Yeah. Dropped right in. They're they're being chased. Um, by guy, they look like government agent guys. They're mm-hmm. driving like a Lincoln. Men in black suits. Yeah, men's know. in black. Yeah. Um, and and you know on the when you know they break away from a little bit whatever, and Drew Barrymore and Keith David, <laughs> they 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 talk a little bit, and Drew Barrymore is especially bad. She's she's know, not she has not honed her craft yet. No, it. Uh, a convention I, A. Wallace, she is not. Am I saying her name right? Emma, is that racist? I don't know. I don't think it's right. I just, I've only, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say her name. I don't know who you're talking about. Beast of the Southern Wild, the oh. little girl. The one that the onion called the C word and had to <laughs> apologize for. <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. Oh my God. They're whatever shit faced intern. Uh, shit faced means drunk. Shit headed intern. Yeah. Uh, was running their Twitter account, yeah. tweeted some joke about her being a cunt, <laughs> cunt and <laughs> that's not... and they had to be, the Onion had to be like, "We're so sorry." 
That was in poor taste. Right. The Onion. The Onion. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, that's in poor yeah, taste. Yeah. Satire it? Magazine, The Onion was yeah. like, okay, there's a line. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, well, it took us this long to find it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> and now we know. Yeah. Now we know. So, um, she, but she, she's terrible. Is very bad. She, I know she's only a child, but she, that's like, there are good child actors now. Yeah. Um, apparently they didn't have any back then. And that, which is another reason I, mean, I if think you that think the about ET it, thing holds like why she, like the, her popularity off of ET is why she got cast here. Oh, for sure. That's the for only sure. reason. And if you think about it, we're still like 10 years away from, uh, you know, the lip Nikki event. Uh, what year did Jerry Maguire come out? Oh, it's like 96, 97, like that? Yeah. And yeah. for a lot, I mean, myself included, for a lot of people, that's when child acting. That's when everybody knew what it is. Yeah, found out what the weight of a human head was mm-hmm. and what it, what it felt like the to game. love. He's the Philip Seymour Hoffman of little kids that could <laughs> grow up to look like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Do you, do you have a wife? Do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> I'm going to find her. I'm going to kill her. I'm gonna find her. <laughs> that's my that's my Hoffman from uh, Mission Impossible Three. <laughs> Is that I didn't even know he was in a I've never seen a Mission Impossible movie. Oh man, it's a, fuck one and two start at three. Yeah, yeah, three, four, and five. Totally worth it. Those are the new ones. Right? The newer, yeah. yeah. I think the fifth one just came out. And Simon Pegg's in them. Yep, prominently. But I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You can't. Like he's just good. He's he just and good. honestly, like, not to you know, <laughs> clumsily bring it back to the movie, but I was gonna say I did feel that way watching George C. Scott act opposite Drew Barrymore. Yes. I was like, holy shit, this man is a fucking yeah. beast of of, the, of beast every of wild su- of a southern wild. <laughs> I don't even know what wild. For a no, second, I was like, like, is he British? No, yeah, he he is. Uh, he is. A professional, if nothing else, he's like, "Yeah, I'll play this racist role. I don't <laughs> care. I'm, I'm a professional. I got it." It was like watching. There's also just to to, to really cement how racist this yep. is. Um, I guess this is like a thing with Native American characters that are not well done. I mean, not that Hansi's not well done on Fargo, but like they're both like uh, shell shocked Vietnam vets. Yeah. Is that a thing? Uh, uh, no, I didn't think so. I don't know. T- two, uh, Those are the only two I know of. And I don't know if this guy's so much shell-shocked as he is. Oh, was that bullshit when he was like, I'm shell-shocked, baby? Well, he, he does say it like when it, when the lights are out. And yeah. He's all scared of the dark. And then he immediately... Yeah. Uh, See, I got tricked. <laughs> you you fell like, for ah, his bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle John... <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, no, it, I imagine that acting opposite a child actor is no easier than like acting in front of a green screen. Oh, possibly yeah, it's gotta harder. Be, it's got to be awful. Yeah. It's like if the green screen were, um, I don't know. I got nothing. I was trying to think of something it would have to be, be I don't, like, it, I don't, I don't know anything about George C. Scott. of Pete. <laughs> Um, he seems like he doesn't suffer fools, though. <laughs> and do you think he pulled her aside at one point and was like, "Listen to me"? <laughs> like I heard that on um, like Strange, Strange Love. Love, he wasn't aware that it was really a comedy. Like he didn't want to play it for laughs and stuff. Good. And but like all like he does some goofy stuff in it, especially. Yeah. And I guess Kubrick like. He was like, no, let's do it both ways. Let's play it serious and let's do it funny. Just for me. And then he obviously took all the, the funny bits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much of a sense of humor he has <laughs> in real life. Um, he's like a Daniel Day-Lewis type. Yeah. yeah. Super I mean, intense. He's really good in this. No, he's the best he's part. Really right? fucking good. Him Martin and- Sheen I enjoyed to a lesser extent. I enjoyed Martin Sheen's hairline. More than his acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is Martin Sheen a good actor? I mean, I like him in Apocalypse Now. I think that's very good. I feel um, like he does one thing. I haven't seen West Wing, mm. uh, but neither I'll, I'll never watch it. Sure. No. I mean, I, and I liked him in Dead Zone. He chewed yeah. all the scenery. There was teeth marks on everything. 
But <laughs> who's been gnawing at this table leg? <laughs> Martin. Uh, Estevez. Martin's. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so this a, movie starts. Yeah. With, but uh, so they're on the run or whatever. But through a series of flashbacks, we kind of see what we get a, a kind of a backstory. Yeah. Uh, David Keith and Heather Locklear are part of like an experiment mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. with a bunch of other college students. One of them being Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Um, I'm sorry, what? Oh, you didn't catch that guy? No. Oh yeah. Oh wait, I know who you're talking he's, about. He's the only other guy. For a in second, the room that I was lines. like wondering if Casey Kasem was in the movie. <laughs> Somehow I missed it. Oh, oh man, if he was just like the doctor or something, Doctor Kasem. <laughs> yeah, no, I missed that. But yeah, they're yeah. participating in a very dangerous study for a drug called Lot Six, which I had to listen back to twice because the first time I thought they said Black Six, which is the name of my favorite black exploitation movie starring me and Joe Green. Oh, yeah. Deep cut. <laughs> Deep cut. I don't know if... I can't even be like, check it out on this platform, because I don't think it exists apart from the one copy that I have. <laughs> and you can have it. Is it on VHS or DVD? DVD. Bro. I Yeah, I don't know where it is. It's like... It's sort of like a, a traveling pants situation with me and a few ah. of my friends where it fits all of us white... Our honky asses just right. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where that movie is, and I'd love to find it. Right. My copy of The Black Six, if you're listening, Six, can I call you Six? Reach out. Brotherhood of the Traveling Blaxploitation? Oh, something about calling it a brotherhood in that context makes me very uneasy. Let's not. (laughs) I guess I did this, right? I made this happen. So they're part of the experiment. Yep. And And it appears that everybody else dies. Immediately, immediately after eyes being injected exploding with exploding in heads, and uh, it gives uh, David Keith and Heather Locklear powers. Like she could read his mind, and he, we find out that he has the power to control people. So when he, when he runs his fingers through that mane of hair oh of his, God. And, and he concentrates real hard, and he tells people what to do. Uh, they do it. Yes, but not before his nose bleeds a little. Right, which is so funny to me. I don't know. No. It's like it's like if you had the power of levitation but you could you'd had to kick your feet really fast while you did it. Just <laughs> right. the ankles down, just Yeah, <laughs> you would never do it. No. <laughs> you would just never do it. Yeah, he's constantly walking around. I thought regular handkerchiefs were gross. Oh. But bloody handkerchiefs the worst. The the absolute worst. Yeah, yeah. he's just constantly dabbing at his nose. <laughs> um so he and little baby DB are they're on the run. Yeah. Um, at one point, they roll down the side of like, <laughs> yeah, the like, grass right. on the side of a highway. Yep. They they I hop d- over a uh, like an overpass and then they roll down the grass onto the the highway below. Mm. And yeah, Keith, David Keith is passed out. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he's so yeah. he's tuckered from rolling. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna take a three second nap. And keep in mind, he's rolling he, with her like in his arms. Yeah. It's so every half turn. She's being smothered by the weight of an adult man, and he's the one who can't get himself together. <laughs> right. So he almost gets hit by a truck in a weird moment of unnecessary tension. Yeah. And they're on their way to the airport to like to flee this government group. Are they in Virginia? Is that where they send them? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's okay, too. Um, But on the run. They check into a motel, whatever. Well, we shouldn't skip the airport because uh, oh. that's the first time little baby DB uses her powers. Ah, uh, yes. I'm sorry. To light a an ar- a mean army man's boots on fire. Yeah. She So they're going to use the phone and they pass by a guy who is dressed in, in like his army, his finest army His army, clothing. do they call them formals? For, yeah, formals. Is it formals? Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's wearing a ball gown. <laughs> And he's telling his girlfriend that, in <laughs> no uncertain terms, that he is not responsible yeah, for that baby he's put in there. <laughs> he's basically, but the words he uses, it's basically <laughs> just like, stop smothering me. Yeah, you're, you're cramping my style. You're smothering me. It's not mine. Um, all the stuff that you say when you get a girl pregnant. Yes. Right, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Um, um, any of my kids? Can I call you my kids? If you're out there listening... Don't reach out. 
tell your mom I said what's up. And if she ever wants to just hang out real chill sometime <laughs> and have it not be like a big thing, but just like a cool kind of because I'm not like looking for anything right now. Like I'm still learning about me. <laughs> um, but if she ever just wants to get taken to Plowtown um, en route to the bone zone. Rob started checking his phone because I won't stop. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I, I like the, uh, the the little tangent you went on there. Though. That's okay. Well, I'm, uh, and you can't see this at home, but I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating so much from being so sensual. <laughs> so basically, uh, little Drew Barrymore sees this and gives him the old Honolulu hot foot. <laughs> That's exactly what everybody calls it. Yes. <laughs> That's a real thing. Isn't that what it's called when you stick a match under someone's I just shoe? know it as a hot foot. I didn't know that it was... That's uh, probably from like... You know what? I'm thinking about it. That's probably from like a cartoon and I can't remember which one. Yeah. Um, she, But she lights his boots on fire mm-hmm. and he is forced to run into the he bathroom. The, and he does the coolest move yeah. I've ever seen. As if it were part of his basic training. He <laughs> leaps... High enough that he clears the toilet, leaps into a stall at an angle. High yep. enough that he clears the toilet, st- extends both of his arms to grab the walls of the stall. Right, the dividers in the stalls. And then and then sticks both feet simultaneously yeah. in the bowl, extinguishing the flames. And then the police give him shit, yeah. which I thought was so weird. And I forget, he says something like... Uh, he's like... He's like they're like, come with us. He's like, sure, but do you mind if I finish putting my boots out first? Yeah, yeah. And then he looks at the camera and arches his eyebrows and then throws up. And then the movie's over? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I gave it four snells. <laughs> um, so that's when we first see her powers. And they talk about it a little bit. And she's like, we, we get the impression that Heather Locklear is dead. And she keeps saying like, um, you know, I'm sorry, I can't control it. And then, like, alluding to her setting Heather Locklear on fire. Which doesn't happen. Which, well, it happens for a second, but she's not the cause of Heather's death. Which she feels like she is also, though. Well, At one point, doesn't yeah. she say, I killed mom? Yeah. Well, mommy. M- mommy. 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 Oh, mommy. <laughs> oh, mommy. Oh, it's like a like a mogwai. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, if you don't like that, write into us at <laughs> kingmepod at gmail.com. Um, and you can't stop me because I have a microphone. And what do you have? Your words? <laughs> uh, Pathetic. So they keep alluding to it. but So then they go to the hotel later on and they pass out. And he has a dream. About, um, well, it's them in in the kitchen, in the breakfast area, and he's trying to train Drew Barrymore to control her fire <laughs> To make him toast. Yeah. Yeah. And he uses a, he's using a piece of toast on like a... He's got a know, pair of tongs yeah. to keep himself from getting burnt up. So uh, she's like, she's trying to control it, and it's working, and then it doesn't, and she sets a, the toast on fire. And then, but then Heather Locklear tells her, like she... She Tells di- her what to do. Yeah, she's like mm-hmm. she's, she's being a mom. She's yeah. disciplining a and child, and she she flips out a little bit and sets uh, Heather Locklear's both of her oven mitts on fire. Yeah, which so she Locklear's like <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we're gonna get into this a lot more. But people being on fire cinematically uh, is like the funniest thing in the world to yeah. me, especially a good full body combustion. Yeah, it's the way they walk. Yeah, with the arms out, arms out, yeah. staggering. It's those steps right before they collapse. Ah, oh, there's no funnier thing in the world what to would, me. What do you think you would do, like realistically? Nobody, when did they come up with stop, drop, and roll? When was that a thing? And nobody uses it in no, movies. Yeah, no later than like '96, probably, because that's when I learned it. But I, did you learn it as a youth? I did. So you're had, 30 years older than me, right. so that brings it back to '66. Right. Yeah. I was around. Listen, man, I was around when Nixon pulled that shit. Oh, all right. Fucking Reagan. Oh, 
Oh, trickle down my asshole. <laughs> trickle, Reagan. trickle down. Welcome, welcome to trickle down my asshole. Uh, I wish I had. I wish we had theme music for that. What's trickling down my asshole this week, Rob? Don't answer that. <laughs> oh man, gross. Me saying that made it sound like there's something trickling down my asshole, and you know what it is, but I'm embarrassed about it. Like it's like blackstrap molasses. I was like, ah. Oh. Ordinarily, I'd go for grade A maple syrup. Is all I could get my hands on. Oh my god! Yeah, it was a disaster. Where you get you want to know how long, how far into this we are? <laughs> an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, is it tomorrow morning? It, it's we're a half hour into it. All right, yeah. so let's let's pick up the pace here. Um, right, because we're still in like Act One, Scene One. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we find okay. So we find out who's actually following them, and it's a place called... It's a, a group, uh, a company called The Shop. Yes. It's a government organization. It's like a CIA kind of shadow. But I think Art thing. Carney rightly refers to it as a shadow government. At one, or sh- yeah. secret police is secret what police. he says. Yeah. Um, so technically, it's a part of like the Department of Defense or something. Right. But it is... It's very hush-hush. Mm-hmm. Um, and we... Uh, we find out that Heather Locklear is killed by these people, and th- and, and then shoved they, in the ironing board. He's shoved in the ironing board. Real weird scene. He, it's like <laughs> I, I actually I don't know if it's played for laughs. If it's supposed to be funny, but it where, is when he's like, "Oh God, please don't be in here. Please yeah, don't. Yeah. Oh God." Yeah, David Keith and is <laughs> with his southern bullshit. Yeah. You, oh. you come out here, you son of a bitch. He calls everybody a I son say, of a bitch. I sit. <laughs> yeah. He leghorns it all the way to the finish line. Um, but that kills Heather Locklear. And basically, like, that's that's almost like where we pick up is like they, they go on the run then. Mm-hmm. And they're all in the same clothes. So I imagine it's only like a day or so after that. Yeah. I don't know why we had to why do a we flashback. Why we not like, in chronological yeah. order. You know what? And I like... Um, kind of see. I like that they just drop you in. Yeah, I like that part of it. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll bleep it. <laughs> uh, I like that they drop you in, but I don't. I would have preferred that they just alluded to that. Yeah, like I didn't even need to see it. Yeah, we didn't need to see. Yeah, it. Uh, like honestly, Heather Locklear, gorgeous, but she didn't have to be in this movie at all. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. So well, I'm glad she was. They. uh so they leave the motel and they're hitchhiking and who picks them up but Art fucking Carney. <laughs> the right? original Edward Norton. <laughs> the original Ed Norton. He's uh he's driving a pickup and he picks him up. <laughs> Done. Get in the bed. Yep. He says very sternly, get in uh, the bed. And they uh Keith David and uh Drew Barrymore give <laughs> give fake names. Wait, Keith David and Barry Drewmore. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Um, they give fake names and backstories, and, and our car, and he picks them up, and he, he's very neighborly. He is our townie. Well, our, I mean, talk about typecasting. Yeah, our, our he's very neighborly, he's, and he can only play neighbor. That's it. Yeah. But he's the only townie we have. Oh, yeah. That brings us to our first segment, I suppose. Right. Townie. Uh, oh, did we, we didn't even... We skipped first kill. Locklear was... No, that guy in the test was the first kill. Yeah, Shaggy. Yeah, rest <laughs> in peace, exploding eyes, Shaggy. Moving on. Right. Uh, we're on our townie profile, so let's talk about him. His name is Irv Manders. I didn't have time to write a little thing about him like I did last week. No, but but, but Irv is uh, he's a patriot through and through. Mm-hmm. He um, oh, he's basically a libertarian. <laughs> he is. I know. I actually I kind of like the cut of his jib. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> well, his uh, well, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Only, so, uh, Dave Keith, mm-hmm. you know, sort of explains to Arkarney what's going on. Like, what, the you know, the government's after him, blah, 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 has powers. And Arkarney's like, I'm on board, I believe you, you're safe here. That's the, yeah. the, the gist of it. Irv Manders has the most finely tuned bullshit detector oh my God, he of is. all time. That yeah. he can be like, that's not your real name. And he's like, you're right. But here's what actually happened. I'm telekinetic, and so is my daughter. <laughs> right. And he's like, mm, yeah, that that <laughs> that that uh, that tracks. Uh, Art Carney's wife, played by Louise Fletcher, who we were talking about Nurse before. Nurse Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. 
who even here uh, is too young for Art Carney. Yeah. Like they, there's 20 years between them. It's so weird because she looks kind of old in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She looks just like an older woman. Not old. No, I no, say no. old. But just like, she looks like older a, than a like, woman. Yeah. Older than like, you know, woman in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know? They're, right. She seemed to be aging gracefully. Yes. In, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She only looks like five to ten years older in this. Yeah. And when well, I, when did Cuckoo's Nest come I, out? Probably like five, five to ten, ten years, years before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right, <laughs> but I'll bleep it. She she looks like she's she, fifty years old, and then you look her up, and she's about fifty years yeah, old. And Art Carney's a it's million like seventy five yeah. years old. Yeah. He's like Art Carney might remember the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> oh, he was there, man. Yeah, he got a little bit of it. Probably lost a finger in a sieve, <laughs> or whatever those are called. Yeah, in a is sieve. That, a sieve is like oh no, that's drain. for pan and for gold. <laughs> was it? What am I thinking of? Lave. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Thinking a lathe. Um, oh, my brain's dying. <laughs> Six slices. But <laughs> the uh, the government agents, the shop, they show up on our Carney's property, and uh, you know David Keith and Drew Barrymore. They go outside, and David Keith is like, "You might have to set some people on fire." Mm-hmm. And Drew Barrymore's more. Drew Barrymore is like, "Got it. No problem. I'm in." Oh, one thing. Are you still gonna love me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh, only if you set some people on fire. Okay, daddy. Daddy? Okay, zaddy. Uh, <laughs> so they, the government's like, just come with us and whatever. And then Art Carney comes out with his shotgun. And he's like, nobody's going anywhere. Get off my property. Uh, come back with a warrant. Come back with a warrant. I love I, that in movies. He, he says, um, unless I woke up in Russia today. Yeah, uh, you have to come back with a warrant. So if you were wondering when this movie was set, <laughs> yep, I I I gotta say I I I appreciated his uh, his attitude. Yeah, for the time, I'm sure. Yeah, it was very like you know popular stance to be anti-Russian. Yeah, and um, you know, sorry for ASMRing into the microphone. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, everyone just came, and now they're shutting the podcast off. So then Drew Barrymore sets every one of those agents on fire. Oh, my God. Yeah. It reminded me of Looper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's like the original Looper boy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't... Be- not that it doesn't belong in Looper, but it's it's a real curveball. Yeah, it does sort of come out of nowhere. When you have time travel, why are you doing all this other stuff? Yeah. But whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I enjoyed I, it. I like it. Yeah. I like watching a man get torn apart. Who doesn't? <laughs> I can't think of anyone. Exactly. <laughs> you gave me time and I got nothing. So Drew Barrymore sets the agents on fire and they do that thing that you were saying. that they, My favorite thing. Yep. yep. They stagger around with arms out mm-hmm. like, I am on fire. But I do something. But I'm not going to move that fast about it. Nobody. I was wondering, though. None of them even tried to stop, drop, and roll. Yeah. They, they don't stop and drop until it's like not of their it's own volition. way too late. Yeah. Until it's to die. So... That happens, and they they go. Art oh, Carney's like he gets shot. Yeah, in the process, he gets shot in the arm. Yeah, but uh, David Keith and Drew Barrymore they they're like we have we have to get out of here. We're going off to our the, your grandfather's cabin in Thailand. Yeah, it's, based on the looks of things, right? It's ba- <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was like a bunch of little cabins on stilts above a murky river. Yeah, it's. It had a very, like, Southeast Asian feel to it. Definitely. The decor, not so much, but the locale. And that is where George C. Scott catches up with them. Mm. He finds out that they're they're staying there. Mm-hmm. And he... Oh, because when does he strangle a mailman? Is that before this part or after? <laughs> it's before. That was that... crazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that yeah. man... David Keith's whole plan that he tells Drew Barrymore is like... Oh, as soon as I write these letters and send them off to the press, then we'll be safe. So he writes the letters, puts them in the mail, and then we see the mailman pick up those letters from that mailbox, drive off, and he's driving down the street, and he comes across George C. Scott and another agent's, like, broken-down car. And, you know, George C. Scott's like, hey, can you help us and whatever? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. And that's when he strangles him. And then he takes the letter bag. 
Which I feel like killing the mailman and leaving him in his truck on the side of the you road. You couldn't have just like unnecessary created a diversion and stolen his mailbag. He could have, but that guy's got a real bloodlust. Yeah, he wants. That. I think that mailman might make the in memoriam section. Yeah, I think he's. We'll, we'll get to it, but yeah. I think he's the most. He's innocent. a strong contender. Yeah, he might be remembered fondly by this podcast. So that happens uh, basically. George George C. tranks our friends. Right. And this was actually, this was my favorite shot in the whole thing, was when he tranks them both. He shoots them both with darts, and they're out cold, and we get, like, a reverse shot of the woods, and all of these guys in, like, silver yeah. suits yeah. start, like, coming out from behind trees. Yes. And, like, it's, first it's, like, one, two, three, four, and then it go, there's, like, 20 guys. Mm-hmm. They all, like, pop out from behind these trees and i thought that shot looked really it's, cool you know you could hide that many guys yeah. in that that space i, I thought it was nice. i agree and for a movie that is really artlessly filmed yeah like bad like i, I felt like some shots might have been out of focus it was so 100 percent. there were definitely shot close-up shots of david keith that were out of focus yeah there were oh my god you know what the worst was mm. the one time they tried and they had that like point of view tracking shot of Drew Barrymore running around the room at the uh, what's the group called? The, the shop. The shop. When she first gets to her room, she's like walking around, and they're just oh. like following. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like on her face. Yeah, yep. like a, a tracking shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not. And it wasn't. It seemed like it wasn't handheld, but the track that it was on was bumpy. <laughs> yeah. It was just bad, man. Yeah, it, it wasn't was great. really bad. So they get captured and separated, right? David Keith is put in his own room, and they keep him pretty drugged up. Mm-hmm. And they put Drew Barrymore in another room. And a little princess chamber. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's like a nice... It's a bed and breakfast. It's a real nice hotel room. Yeah. Like, I've I've definitely stayed in a worse hotel room <laughs> like, that I've paid for. <laughs> um, and what ends up... So they want, they want Drew Barrymore... I don't know if they want to weaponize her or that seems to be what Martin Sheen wants. I don't know, but I don't know if they want to weaponize her specifically or they want to find out what her, where her powers come from and weaponize that. Yeah, that's closer, but it's a little, little blurry what he wants specifically. Yeah. Cause there's that scene with the original doctor who conducted the study when he's like going full tilt Einstein. Yeah. And doing his like, this power is dangerous. You can't, and he's like, but I can and I want to, so right. I must. Who is murdered in his sleep by George C. Scott. Right. Who? Oh, yeah, he does the <laughs> Wait, thing. He, uh, so this, this, a, another thing that sh- wasn't played for laughs. Yeah, yeah. So he, this doctor is asleep, sound asleep, laying on his back. And we see like this little, like, it's like a long uh, palm leaf or something, like a long strand of like uh, lemongrass or something. And he's just like... <laughs> Tickling, tickling his, his nose <laughs> and the guy like wakes up slowly and george c scott is standing over him like ah ah and he he ta- he judo chops this guy in the across the bridge of the nose and, and as you may know it only sh- takes two pounds of pressure to drive the human nose bone up into the brain and, right so kills the guy in his sleep what i thought it was such a nightmare though like why wake him up just do it. I know. Ugh. I and that's like a real fear of mine. Like that's something I carry with me. Is it, that that I feel like that best illustrates the fragility of the human body. Oh, uh, and I think about it a lot. I was like, if anyone just hits me wrong, even in a even in a fit of horseplay, yeah, or just to rough me up and teach right. me a lesson, right? They could kill in a, me in a grab assing session. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, at uh, group therapy. Sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> where all the grab ass goes. Min- <laughs> it's 15 minutes of talk therapy, and then we wind down with 45 minutes of grab ass. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, so they're, sep- they're imprisoned in their little hotel room suites. Mm-hmm. We find out Martin Sheen's kind of plan, and George C. Scott's plan is to win... Uh, win over Drew Barrymore so that she trusts him. And he keeps saying, this is where the pedophilia thing comes in the strongest, is when we first they first get there 
Martin Sheen's like, this is what we're going to do and we're going to whatever. And then George C. Scott's like, I want that girl. Give me, when you're done with give me that, that girl. girl. Give me that girl. I want that girl. <laughs> hey. hey. No, no, no. No, no, no. Although our one fan wrote to me uh-huh. uh, via text. So I guess if you want to contact us, just text me. Yep. Yeah. Or email or just text me. Um, and she, she was like, I love that you reference other podcasts because <laughs> it makes me feel less alone. Oh, isn't that nice? That's so nice. Yeah. And doesn't it make you feel like you're better than someone? Cause she's like, she's like a lonely person. Oh no. And we have each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And our 10 listeners. <laughs> no, I don't mean it. Um, she might've stopped listening at this at point. At this point? Yeah. I hope not. Jacqueline. If you're out there listening, Jackie, 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 <gasps> oops, <laughs> uh, forget it. You ruined the moment. Uh, so, oh yeah. So you want to talk about George C. Scott's pedophilia? Let's talk about George C. Scott's pedophilia. It, it's just, it comes through really strongly when he says, I want that girl, but it also, I would argue it comes through even more strongly. And this is because actions speak louder than words. Yep. When he lays his adult male hand on her tiny little girl leg. Do you oh, remember that? I don't. It's very upsetting. I it's very upsetting. <laughs> um, it's right after the power comes back on. They're both sitting against the front door of the yeah, room. Yeah. And he's just like, it's, I forget what he says, whether it's like, we have each other or something yeah. fucked up. He just puts his hand on her thigh. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Uh-huh. I don't like it. It's not like... I don't like it. Yeah, I, I didn't care for it at all. Uh, they had to shoot that. I think that's what I find most upsetting. Yeah. It's like dress like a, I don't know, um, a filet. Uh, um, hold on. <laughs> a filet mignon. <laughs> no, no. I was going to say a beef tenderloin up in like a stocking and let him put his hand on that. But don't make him touch an actual oh, okay. little girl. <laughs> I couldn't remember the cut of meat. I bet our listeners at home were like, tenderloin, tenderloin, just say it. <laughs> right. Uh, our whole demographic is butchers, is right? fat chefs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sacre bleu, he can't remember it. <laughs> George C. Scott's whole plan is he's going to pretend to be like a, a like a janitor or like a, I don't know, he calls it something else. Some like, with an R. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. Orderly. Orderly, yeah, yes, yes. With an R. So he's pretending to be Fucking an orderly. Dying brain. That's <laughs> six slices. That's what happens. <laughs> and so he's pretending to be this guy who's like, oh, I don't really know what's going on, but we could be friends. So slowly but surely, like, they become friends and friendly and whatever. She starts calling him Uncle John after a certain point. Right. And then Martin Sheen has to test out her powers. And there, there are a few scenes of, like, the two-way glass thing where she's she's in a room and she's setting things on fire and there's like a whole like a newsroom with TVs <laughs> yeah. and 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 soundboards. Yeah, and Martin things. Sheen's <laughs> whole role in being in that room is to basically basically be like, all right, camera three, <laughs> right. and tight shot on camera one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and go. The room that Drew Barrymore is in is a Stephen King movie. The room that Martin Sheen is in is like an Aaron Sorkin <laughs> scripted film. Um, so. <laughs> They're they're making her do like test out her flame powers, flame mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and she's lighting everything on fire. She lights first. She lights like uh, some wood, like a wood pile on fire. Yeah, and then like she redirects it and she lights a tub full of water. Why on was that? How they know to put that tub there? I don't know. And if you are gonna put like a basin of water, why make it a, a clawfoot bathtub? It's real nice. It is, yeah. but like it didn't belong there. And it was filled with water that caught fire. Yeah. The water caught fire. Yeah, but that's just like a testament to this little girl. Yeah. She's so strong. So strong. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I wa- we're at 50 minutes. Oh, my God. And I want to jump to the end because there. I want to talk about the themes of this movie. All right. So, blah, blah, blah. Suffice it to say. they. The movie father, ends in a barn. Father escapes with Drew Barrymore. Um, Showdown George C. Barn. Right, George C. Scott shoots Martin Sheen in the head. That was rough. Yeah, and I was like when someone turns on someone. Yeah, and then the father makes George C. Scott like jump off of the top layer, top floor of the barn, the loft, and loft, yeah. and breaks his leg and blah blah blah. But George C. Scott shoots him in the neck. So dad's dying. 
And then um, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. He goes to shoot Drew Barrymore while saying, I love you. Yeah. Um, Real, not like that, though. Yeah. <laughs> he says it more actorly. Uh, <laughs> so he goes to shoot her, and her powers have become such that they now make bill- bullets pop in yeah. midair. She has uh, perf- uh, 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 created a force field around herself. Yeah, so she cannot be killed. Yes. Um, and then there are dozens of agents outside, and she proceeds to start shooting uh, fireballs at them. Yeah. One of which looked like a flaming version of that bullet with a shark face on it from Mario. <laughs> yes. Did you notice yep. that? Yes. What the fuck was that? Yeah. The rest were fine. Yep. It was just that one. Yep. Yeah. So um, the, the one there was the one doctor um, who was doing most of the tests on Drew Barrymore. And he like he saw what was going on. He tried to get away in a golf cart. Oh, and that was so funny! <laughs> oh my god! I oh my at, god! I, that was the funniest part. I feel Everybody like you could run running. faster yes. than a golf cart. Go- <laughs> then he was driving that yeah. golf cart. He was like, floor. He's floored. <laughs> With that golf cart, people are pa- running past that golf cart, <laughs> and he's just like leaning forward, trying to make it go faster. <laughs> and and she just blows that right up. Oh, sky high! Yeah, sky high. So the movie ends basically with her uh, between shots, getting a, a hitching a ride and getting dropped off at Art Carney's house. Right, where she then lives out presumably the rest of her days in peace and right, which is probably pretty nice. Yeah. Second movie in a row that ended in that weird way where someone just gets adopted because... Yeah, like strangely adopted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I feel like that's a thing in, in movies in the 80s where you're just like, well, I guess we're all just surrogate family now. Yeah. Did it reach its peak, its crescendo with Face Off? Oh, God My favorite it. one. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> well, our son's dead, but we have this new one who's <laughs> Problem, roughly the yeah. same age. The problem solved itself. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I want to talk about um, how this relates to Carrie. Yep. uh, Specifically as it relates to the exposition of how her... Well, their fear of what her powers will become. Right. Which is that um, her pituitary pituitary gland is what triggered them in the first place. So then when she hits puberty, they're going to grow exponentially. Uh Uh-huh. And they don't know what she'll be capable of. Right. Uh, and that that reminded me a lot of Carrie because Carrie is basically like, did we talk about, I can't remember if we drew this comparison. It's like the darkest timeline version of Spider-Man where well, like I think we your did. adolescence gives you this power and it destroys you. Well, yeah, I guess. Right. Yeah. Pu- right. You hit puberty and your body starts going through all these changes yeah. and they destroy you. Yes. Right. Um, and everybody around you. Right. So like. <laughs> And part of me was like, oh, is this the same universe? Yeah. But it's not because they don't get their powers in the same way, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's totally different. Man. Yeah. I want a unified king theory. But also, I... um, What if by the end of, like, we get to the last movie, right? 72 episodes or whatever it is. We get to Secret Window. Yep. No, what is it called? A Good Marriage? A Good Marriage is the the latest one. Mm. There might be more by the time we get there. Uh, There... Probably will be, um, and we like we just we discovered that all of these take place within the same. I know some of them do, yeah, within the same universe. But what if they all did? Which universe should it be? Like if you could pick oh. one universe from a Stephen King movie for all of this to <laughs> be in? <laughs> oh boy! I mean, I know it's all the same, but like, what should be like the benchmark reality? Uh, Silver Bullet, yeah, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> Where everybody's parts hurt. Oh, speaking of which, what was your least favorite part of the movie? Oh, are we're we... moving on to our new our, our new segment. Oh, that hurts my parts. Oh, that hurts my parts. It worked. Fantastic. All right. Um, <laughs> what was your what hurt your parts in this movie? I, I thought the it was the first half of the movie was very slow. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think my least favorite part, if I had. It was all of the flashback stuff. I yeah? Guess. Yeah, like, uh, we don't really need it. I don't... Oh, that hurts my parts! What was your uh, least favorite part? What hurt my parts? Yeah. Oh, that hurts my parts! That's actual audio of me after I heard Drew Barrymore, uh, after her dad dies, and 
Um, oh, the last line of the movie. First of all, that they bring her to the New York Times. I hated oh that. It's like, now your story comes to an end or whatever it is. Is that Arcani? Is yeah. that your Arcani? That's my Dracula. <laughs> can I tell... Hey, Ralphie boy. <laughs> can I tell our listeners about the game that I was telling you about? Yeah, go Okay, ahead. so basically what you do, and you can play this at home. What you do is <laughs> you do your best, like, Dracula voice, but then you give the Dracula, like, a very bad name for a vampire. So, for example, you'd be like, I stalk through the night. In between the realms of the living and the dead, I wear a big cape, and it's very spooky. I feast on the blood of the living, and my name is TJ. (laughs) So you can play that at home, by yourself or with a friend. Write in if you have a good vampire name that you want me to say on a different show. (laughs) I'm not going to waste any more time with that. So, so the part that hurt the part that hurt your parts the oh, most. Oh, that hurts my parts. Yeah, was the end. Yeah, the very end. But specifically when she's like, "I did it, Daddy," or whatever she says up uh, to yeah. the sky. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care for that either. Yeah. <laughs> was, she she's not she's not a good enough actor yet to be talking to the sky. She's like not that. at the level she's at in say mm, fifty first dates. <laughs> sure. Or mm, I don't know, Fever Pitch, Batman Forever. <laughs> Is Drew Barrymore bad in everything? I don't know. It's probably. She might be. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a little recovered drug addict is all. Yeah. What? She, she's never gone for that Oscar winning performance, you know? No. I could only imagine. Like, I feel like her only chance, and she can't do it anymore because it's completely unacceptable, like, politically. <laughs> sure. Would be to do a... Uh, Sean Penn and I am Sam. Oh, boy. I feel like that's the only thing she could do. Right. Swing big. <laughs> yeah. In that way. Yeah, yeah, Um, Yeah. So, oh, what was the other thing I want to say? Mm. Did you, I, okay. You know how we talked about The Shining as like a film and we, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about oh, it sure. as like this thing that was worth discussing that yes. had multiple interpretations. Yes. I don't think this has multiple interpretations, but I do think it has one interpretation. And what do you think? I think it's a um, it's a commentary on the male fear of female sexuality. Ooh. I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. Why? Because she's a little girl? Yeah. But the whole thing is trying to stop her before, before she... she becomes a woman. Yeah, I... And here's the thing. Yep. Hear me out. Okay. So, uh, if you think of the dad, it, think of them as like kind of like con- like politically conscious. Yes, as allegories for politically conscious like feminist thinking people. Got it. Her dad too. Yep. Her dad, uh, their powers match up to their roles within the within the process of dismantling the patriarchy. Uh-huh. If you haven't stopped listening yet, <laughs> pl- just give me like a minute. <laughs> Please tune out. Please. Now. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Jump ahead. Uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> no, this will be quick. This will be quick. Right. So his power is that he can f- influence the actions of others. Uh, right. Which as, as like a man, all you can do is you can operate within the system because you are the system. Yep. So you can influence other people. But you can't you you can influence the actions of the people yeah. within the system. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She can burn it down. Right. He says that. Yep. He's like, you need to burn this down so that no one can ever do this again. Right. You got to burn this motherfucker. And down. that is the male. So not even the male fear of female sexuality specifically. Right. Of femininity. Right. Because it dismantles that power structure of, of strong women. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh yeah, you like that shit? I, I like it a lot. Mm. All right, six slices of pizza, <laughs> my man, me. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I, like I that. thought of a thing. Yeah, that's oh, really good. Oh my god, yeah. So let's uh, let's start wrapping it up. Yes. Um, let's talk about. Let's quickly list our king tropes that we noticed. Okay, the relationship between an adult and a child. Yes, the right, the uncomfortable relationship. 
Yes. That's not... It's somewhere between platonic and sexual. This is the most explicitly it's ever been kind of stated what the parameters are of it, though. Right. It's only been implied up to this point. Yes. We got weird adoption. Strange adoption. Uh, Telekinetic powers. Always with the telekinesis. Uh, Have we had mind reading yet? Um... I don't know. I don't think we have mind specifically mind reading, mind control, mind control, but not. I don't think mind reading. We also had some second sight because she knew that they were coming down the road. Oh, yeah. How the fuck did she know that? I don't know. She's got a it's one flash in the pan, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> this isn't normally my gig, no. but <laughs> uh, I don't even think we can call Townie a trope at this point. It's just a, fucking everywhere. Yeah, it's just a staple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, anything else? Um, well, we, we have the, uh, it's like an anti-government thing. I mm. think, I feel like there's, a, there's always, whenever there's some sort of a government in, in place, they're the bad guys. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, uh, f- fiery climax. <laughs> Does two constitute a trend, a trope? Uh huh. All right. I think that's all I can think of. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, so we'll move on to who's the real villain here. Ah. Our segment where we ask the question, who's the real villain here? Yeah, I think the real villain is um, it's 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 Heather Locklear and David Keith as young college students. Yeah. The the young versions of them. Mm hmm. The dummies that are just like, oh, yeah. When do I get my money? Yeah. I want to buy pizza and hashish. Yeah. <laughs> fucking child's play and then they yeah Uh, you never find you never hear like they got i don't know they definitely i don't i didn't like them they deserve the bad stuff that happened to them i don't mean that Nah, i don't know know. uh what else we got i I don't know keith david is the the real villain here uh well i don't know maybe that doctor for not i don't know the first doctor yeah gets judo chopped yeah yeah, <laughs> that gets his face karate chopped off. <laughs> I will say honestly, maybe George C. Scott's the real villain here. <laughs> I know he's the villain. I think he's the real villain here. He's he's the worst. Yeah, uh, he's got he's got bad motives, like working with other people, and then his own separate <laughs> set of bad motives. Yeah, he's really doubling down. Yeah, he's two villains in one. <laughs> so I'm giving it to George C. Scott, and he's also uh, like. He's playing a different race. He's a racist. Yeah, that's right. George C. Scott, not his character. Right. George C. Scott is the real villain here for his racism. Right. Good. Definitive. Yep. All right. Uh, Let's move on to uh, memorializing those we lost needlessly over the course of this movie. The mailman. Rest in peace. The mailman. (laughs) That was it, right? Everyone else was engaged in this war. Yeah, I think everybody else that died, let's see, it's those college students. Like, at, I was up. hoping the horses would die and then we could put them in the in memoriam. Uh, Were you thinking about that? I, I did think it, about it that. It occurred yeah. to me. Uh, uh, it's sad. But yeah, Heather Locklear, part of the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the agents, obviously. Shaggy had to die to get us. Not really, though, because it doesn't matter that everyone else died, does it? What? You, like everyone else in the study. Do we care? Like, why do we care that they died? Oh, we don't, I guess. So, rest in peace, everyone in that study. Uh, all those, all like, those clinical trial victims. All those stoned college students. <laughs> They're just like trying to get some pizza money, bro. <laughs> um, and now we're moving on to my terribly named feature, IMDb, ah. where we pit. The IMDb user rating for our movie of the week against our own personal opinions. Yeah. This week's movie, I believe, I'm not looking at it, has a score of 6.0, correct? Yes. Where do you, how do you feel about that? I think it's pretty accurate. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, I think I would have agreed with it if not for my impressive reading of the movie as an <laughs> allegory. I, I, I really like your, your reading of the movie. I don't think it holds I, up to scrutiny no no i think your your reading is better than the actual movie <laughs> you don't think there's any of that in there no no i do okay i i definitely do but i think there's like there's a lot to there's a lot of pros and cons here it definitely balances out you have your george c scott's that are really trying and going for it and then you have your drew barrymore's 
who are bringing, yeah. weighing the thing down. I feel like 6.0 is a good score. You know what? I'll give it a 6.5 because if it were a bad movie, well acted, yeah. I would say 6 is a good score for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of my added layer, I'm going to give it another half a point. So you're giving it 6.5 ponytails. I'm, g- I'm giving it six out of 6.5 out of 10 ponytails. Great. Uh I'll give it six ponytails and, a, and half a cloudy eye. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I believe that's it. That's it. That'll right. do it for Firestarter. Yeah. Uh, I liked it overall. Did you like it overall? I did. Good. I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie that I had not seen yet. And next up we have Cat's Eye, correct? Yeah. So what do you, what do you expect for the Cat's Eye? Um... I don't know what to expect, frankly. I would. It's an anthology, correct? It is an anthology. I would love for it to be more creep show, but I think it's going to be. This might. I'm thinking the cat's eye might be the first time I'm legitimately scared watching these movies. I'm okay. hoping for that. I I've seen this movie before, but it hasn't. It's been a very long time, and I only remember one segment from mm-hmm. it. It the the anti smoking one, um, which. I remember it being very funny. Oh, on purpose? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, but you are in for a treat because it also features Drew Barrymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Great. Back to back Barrymore. <sighs> yeah. More and more. More and more. Yeah, yeah. More, 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 more. We'll open our next episode with Rebel Yell because he says more, more, more. Mm-hmm. So you have that to look forward to. Do you oh. have anything? Oh, what? Oh, yeah. We should have... Uh, we should play that Prodigy song, right? We should yeah. go out on the Prodigy song. Yeah, I'll 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 use the Prodigy song to play us out. Great. Actually, I'll pull it up now while you're starting the plugs, so All right. that we can do it organically. Great. Um, so, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please email us at kingmepod at gmail dot com. We would love to hear from anybody, anybody at all. <laughs> please, please. I'm screaming into the void here. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, and also, this is like a shot in the dark, but if you have any suggestions for guests or you know how to like hook us up with anyone who is weirdly involved yeah, if anybody in has the Stephen con- Kingo-verse. Yeah, if anybody has a connection with Keith David. Oh, man, we'd love to talk to Keith David oh about David God. Keith. <laughs> you have so, to imagine so, they met once. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, Keith. <laughs> what do you think of David Keith? <laughs> what if all he had to say was just neither can live while the other survives? Right, it's like a Highlander thing. Yeah. Oh boy, unless Harry Potter, oh. Voldemort. All right, I, I'm not familiar. No, no. Ah, oh. pretty good stuff. It. Didn't see it. Oh man, it's your loss, man. Fine. Oh, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at King Me Pod. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. We tweet a little. We tweet a little, and we also like us on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good thing. Um, also, if you're coming to us from iTunes, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. If you're coming to us from SoundCloud, buddy, listen to us on iTunes. Yep. Subscribe, Re- review. rate, review. Uh, it helps other people find the show. I think a big part of the reason people don't do it is because they don't realize it actually does help significantly. Yeah, you know those things when people are like... Hey, if you did the, if you take the survey, it actually helps people out and stuff like that. And you're like, bullshit. This is like a thing that would actually help us yeah. out. <laughs> and honestly, like even if you just rate us, it it's great if you review and you say some kind words. Yeah, but you could just throw some stars at our yeah. way. Oh, we love them stars. Oh, I want that stars. Buddy, give me those stars. We can't be doing this. <laughs> it's in very poor taste. That is the only kind of taste I uh, I I live in. So we'll be back in one week's time. Yes, for uh, Cat's Eye. Cat's Eye, and baby. And we will go out on Firestarter by the Prodigy. Yep. All right. There it is. Hey, there's my boy. I watched this music video today. Did you? I did. I hated it. The reverse mohawk thing. Yeah. Stupid English techno fools. King. Oh. Stephen King.